good morning, LifeGate. So great to see everyone here today in this Christmas season. How many are excited about Christmas? Come on, raise your hand if you're excited about Christmas. Let me just tell you something, 14 days, some of y'all are counting it down, two weeks, 14 days until Christmas Day. Let's just do a little survey here today. Raise your hand and help me out. How many of you already have all of your Christmas gifts bought? Raise your hand. Come on, look around. Man, that's pretty good. I think we got to give these guys a big hand. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. How many of you would say, man, I'm not that good. I still have a few gifts to buy. Raise your hand all over the room. All right, put them down. How many of you say, I'm just going to wait till the last minute to do it. All right. Thank you, Amazon. Some of you are going to be on Christmas Eve. You're going to be down at CVS in the little gift section trying to find something. I hope that you don't do that. I'm excited about Christmas. I'm excited about giving and receiving gifts, but I'm really more excited about what Christmas is really all about. And when we think about this time of year, when we think about this season. There are so many different themes that really come along with the holiday season and the things that this season is really all about. I mean, we can think about love and we can think about joy and peace and hope and giving and all of those things. But even all of those different themes really come down to this one thing, all the peace and the love and the joy and the hope and the giving and all of that comes down to one thing. And that is the birth of the savior. Amen. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. And that's what we decided to do in this message series uh, over this month of December is just to celebrate the Savior and just talk about how can we learn to truly worship the newborn Savior? How can we worship Jesus for all he is and for all he has done in our lives? And so we're doing this series called Come to Worship. So everybody say, Come to Worship. And the title of the series actually comes directly from the scripture. In fact, our title passage is in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. It's a very familiar passage of scripture, especially gets read a lot of times during this season, during the holiday season. I want us to look at it again together. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. It's on the screen. It's in your notes. It's on your phone. It's everywhere today. Let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. And when Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have what? Everybody say it aloud. And we have come to worship him. Man, I love that. That these men, these, these royal men, these, these, these kings who came to Jesus and they didn't come so that they could receive something from him, but instead they came to give something to him. They came to bow down. They came to honor him. They came to bring their gifts. They came to worship him. And really, that's what the season is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about getting presents, but instead, it's about getting into the presence of God. You see what I did there? I know you like that. Come on, that's good. You got to help me. I work hard on this stuff, right? It's about the presence of God. It's about worshiping him. And so this is what we decided to do in this, in this month of this series is just say, how can we learn how to worship God on a more deeper and more intimate level? How can we experience the presence of the Savior in our lives? And we've talked about what does it mean to worship? And we kind of laid the groundwork for it last week when we gave you just three kind of key thoughts about worship. If you remember, we're going to review it again here today. The first one is this, is that worship is doing something. So everybody say, do something. do something. 
Worship requires us to do something. In fact, we learned about it last week that anything that you do can actually be done as worship unto the Lord if you do it with a heart to honor and please God. We talked about that last week. Then we talked about that worship is giving something. So everybody say give something. That the wise men, they brought their gifts to God. And when we, when we worship, we give him something. Specifically, we give him our lives. That worship requires that we bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Then we talked about worship is pleasing someone. So everybody say, please someone. That when we do something and when we give something, it's all about this attitude of pleasing God, honoring God with our lives. So here's what we're going to do today. We talked about them a little bit last week, but what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this first one and we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into it. We're going to talk about what do we do when we worship God? What does that, what does that mean? And we're specifically going to be talking about what do we do when we worship God in a corporate setting, when we come together in the body of Christ. If worship is doing something, then this is number one, right? In your notes, what do we do? So everybody look at your neighbor and just say, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do when we worship God? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few Psalms. In fact, the book of Psalms was actually written as a book of worship and it was actually worship songs to God. And in the book, we're going to see a lot of different ways that God actually requires and asks for us to worship him. We're just going to break it down into three things that we do in corporate worship. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, letter A, is we're going to write this down, is that we worship God with our mouth. Everybody say, my mouth. Worship God with our mouth. That actually our mouth is actually an instrument of worship to be used to bring praise to God. In fact, this is what the psalmist writes in Psalm 109 in verse number 30. Look what he says. He says, with my, everybody say it aloud, with my mouth, I will continually praise the Lord. I will praise him when we gather together for worship. Here's what the psalmist says. Hey, this is what God wants us to do. When we come together in worship, when we come to church in a corporate setting in the body of Christ, here's how we worship God. We worship him with our mouths. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can worship God with our mouths. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Number one, we worship God with our mouth by speaking. Everybody say speaking. Now, a lot of times we think the only way we worship God is with our mouth is by singing. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But guess what? Before we even start singing, we worship God by speaking, by speaking words. In fact, here's the deal is that your words are worship. Every word that you speak can actually be worship to God. In fact, this is what the the psalmist writer says in Psalm 34 and verse number one. He says, I will praise the Lord at all time and I will constantly what? I will constantly speak his praise. Our words can actually be worship unto God. We can actually use them to please and to honor God. Maybe it's when we, when we speak that maybe we would speak with, a, with an attitude of, of gratitude and of thankfulness instead of complaining. Instead, we would be grateful with the words that we speak. That's a way to bring praise and bring honor to God. Maybe it's, maybe it's when we pray, when we speak to God. That's, an, that's a form of worship. Maybe it's when we speak words of encouragement to others and when we, when we honor others. In fact, we can actually honor God by honoring the people around us. Amen? Maybe it's whenever we speak the word of God. In fact, what I'm doing right now is I'm speaking the word of God. Guess what it is? It's worship. 
It's a form of worship. You know what? You can even worship God by saying amen when the pastor says something good. Come on, right? It's worship. As we open our mouth, we worship God by speaking. And it's not just when we open our mouth, but sometimes we can even worship God by closing our mouths. How many know some of us could learn this lesson every once in a while? That we actually can honor God by not saying something sometimes. We worship God and we worship him. How do we do it? What do we do? We worship him with our mouths by speaking. Number two, write this one down. We worship God by shouting. So everybody say it real loud. Say shouts. We shout. Now some of you thought, man, I just thought the pastor was weird. I thought that's why he shouted so loud and got excited when he got up there. But actually it's biblical. In fact, the scripture teaches us that not only should we speak praises, that we should shout unto God. In fact, in Psalm 27, verse 6, look what it says. It says, then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surrounds me. And at his, ta- at his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with what? With shouts of joy. I will sing and make music unto the Lord. The Bible says that we ought to get passionate We ought to get excited about bringing praise and bringing worship to God. In fact, sometimes when you get excited, it just comes out kind of loud. How many know what I'm saying, right? Now, some people go, that's just for, you know, that's the charismatic churches and those people are weird and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you're one of those kind of churches and whatever. And we think, oh, I don't do that. Well, you know what? You say you don't shout, but I've seen some of y'all watch a football game before. Come on. And when your team gets that ball and starts running towards the goal line and it's going to win the game. Come on, I've seen some of y'all shout and scream. Some of y'all shouting at the TV like they can hear you or something. Come on, right? How many would say we ought to be a little bit more passionate and a little bit more excited about Jesus than we are about football? Come on. And when we come to the presence, into the presence of God, when we come to his house, it ought to be a place where we are able to express our joy and able to express our passion about what God has done in our lives. We worship him with our mouth. We worship him by speaking. Everybody say it, speaking. We worship God by shouting. Everybody say shouting. Number three, write this one down. We worship God with singing. Now, this is the one we're the most familiar with. Worship God with singing. In fact, the scripture teaches us that this is what God asks for us to do in Psalm 47 and verse 6. Look what it says. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. This is so important that within one little verse, it says it three times. That we ought to sing unto God. Now, I know some of y'all can't carry a tune in a bucket. And the reason I know is because I've sat in front of you during worship, all right? I know who some of y'all... Are. And some of you, you know, if you can't sing, then thank you so much for not, for not auditioning for the worship team. Thank you for that. But just because you can't sing doesn't mean that you can't sing unto the Lord. In fact, the scripture tells us this, that we ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some of you, that's all you got, okay? It is a joyful noise. And some of you don't sound so joyful to the rest of us, but guess what? You're not making it for us. Who are you making the joyful noise to? Unto the Lord. That we sing. In fact, this is part of what we do in a corporate body of of worship when we come. We spend time singing our praises unto the Lord. And I know some of you, you're too cool for this. I know some of you big, macho, burly men. You're like, I don't do the singing thing. So you come in the singing time with your arms folded and your hands in your pocket. And I ain't going to sing. Well, let me just tell you something. You're missing out on what God's called you to do. 
Some of you go, well, I like the preaching, but I don't like the singing. So you're out there talking in the, in the lobby until time for the worship. Guess what? You're missing out. God has called us to sing praises unto the Lord. See, we worship God with our mouth. Now, why is this so important? Well, I think James actually kind of nailed it right on the head when he talked about it in James chapter number three and verse number seven. Look what he says about our mouths. He says all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and seas, uh, the creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. In fact, he says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Savior. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth can come praising and cursing. But brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. In other words, James is saying, hey, here's the deal. The reason that it's so important to worship God with your mouth is because if God has your mouth, then he's going to have the rest of you. And it's so difficult to tame our mouth. So we make it a discipline that the words that come out of our mouth, that when we speak and when we shout and when we sing, we do it as worship unto the Lord. It's a way of surrendering our full bodies to God. So what do we do? Everybody say it again. What do we do? We worship God, number one, with our mouth. Number two, write this one down. We worship God with our posture. With our posture. How many know... You can say something without even saying something. How many know what I'm saying? Some of you husbands are shaking your head because you know. Your body language says a lot, doesn't it? Posture can actually say a lot. And here's the deal. We can actually posture ourselves in a way that brings worship to God. In fact, it's scriptural. We see it throughout the scripture. Several different worship postures. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, is that we, we posture ourselves for worship by, by kneeling or by bowing down. Everybody say bow down. By kneeling, by, by bowing down. In fact, this is what the scripture says about it in Psalm 95 and verse 6. It says, come let us what? Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. In fact, this is what we see happen with these, with these wise men. As these kings come to Jesus, what did they do? The Bible says that they bowed down before him. And what was so significant about that? What was significant was that here are these kings and here's this little baby and the kings are actually bowing down to a little baby. That seems odd, but what they were doing was they, was, they were posturing themselves. They were making themselves low. They were humbling themselves, submitting to his authority as the king. And sometimes in worship, this is what it requires. It requires this posture, sometimes even physically, to get upon our knees, to bow down in worship, to kneel down in prayer is a way of saying, God, I am posturing myself in a place of humility, submitting to your authority in my life. And there are some times when that's appropriate. There are some times when we're in worship and the presence of God is strong and the Lord might even put it on your heart to get down on your knees and to bow down before him. Number two, write this one down. Sometimes we posture ourselves for worship by standing. Everybody say standing. Some people, some people go, well, man, why do we stand up so much in church? My legs are tired. I don't want to sit down and whatever. You know why we stand? Like the first portion of the service, you know why we do that? Actually, there's a reason for it. Because standing actually shows respect and honor. I mean, think about it, all right? I don't know what your politics are, and it doesn't really matter, but what, what, whether you voted for him or not, when the president of the United States walks into the room, what are you going to do? You're going to stand up, right? 
And why are you going to do that out of honor? Maybe not for the person, but for the office that that person holds. Why? Because standing shows respect. It shows it shows honor. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get political, but some of you have even seen, you know, there's this big controversy. Some of the football players who are kneeling down during the, during the national anthem and stuff. And I'm not going to comment on any of that other than the reason that that's so controversial is because is what standing actually stands for. It stands for showing honor and respect. So when we come into the house of God, when we stand in worship, the Bible says, I stand in awe of all that he has done. It's a way of showing our honor and our respect to God. We stand in the house of God. Number three, write this one down. Sometimes we posture ourselves by dancing. Come on, everybody say, get your dance on. Come on, sometimes when you come to church, you get in the presence of God and the presence of God moves you. In fact, this is what happened with David. You might remember the story of David when the ark had been stolen from the people of God. And then finally they brought it back to God's people. And when they brought it back, David was so moved by this that the Bible says he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And people even looked at him and said, that's crazy. You're a king. You shouldn't be doing that. And he said, I'll become even more undignified than this because the presence of God has now arrived in the people of God. And here's what happens when we get into the house of God and the presence of God shows up. Sometimes, man, we just gotta, we just gotta move just a little bit. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Psalm 149 and verse three, it says, let them praise his name with what? With dancing and make music to him with the tambourine and the harp. Some of y'all just got to get your moves on. If you don't have any, just look over here during worship. You can see me. No, don't copy my moves. Please don't. Please don't do that. I'm just messing around. And we posture ourselves. Everybody say posture yourself in a way to bring worship and honor to God. What do we do? Man, we, we worship God with our mouth. We worship God with our posture. Number three, write this one down. We worship God with our hands. God has given you two instruments, instruments that he has given you to bring praise to God. And how do we do this? Well, one way is by playing instruments. That's number one, by playing instruments. In fact, look what the scripture says right here in Psalm 33 and verse two. Look what it says. It says, praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyres. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. How many are glad for musicians who play skillfully in worship, right? I've heard a few musicians that don't play very skillfully, right? I'm thankful for some that, that have perfected their skills. In fact, I think we need to give it up for our worship team here at LifeGate. Don't they do an awesome job? And you know, you know what they do, man, they give up themselves. Like they work hard to play in a skillful way to use their hands to lead us into a place of worship. And it's more than just some songs. It's more than just playing some instruments, man. They do this to lead us into a place of worship and they work hard at it, man. They're here on Thursday nights for rehearsal. They're here at 745 every Sunday and they're here for three services at nine and 1025 and 1150, man. They give all of all that they've got to use their hands for worship. And if you have gifts in this area, you should use these things to skillfully use these to bring worship and honor to God. But some of you go, well, man, I can't play an instrument. I don't know how to play an instrument. Well, guess what? God gave you an instrument to use for him that you don't have to know how to play a guitar or a keyboard or drums. Here's what you do. Number two, you, you clap your hands. So everybody, come on, clap your hands in worship today. We worship God 
by, by clapping our hands. In fact, look what it says in Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, O you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. The Bible says, hey, when we come together, here's what we do. We put our instruments, our, our ten-fingered instruments, we put them together to, to clap. And you know, we got we to clap on the right beat. Some of y'all white people need some rhythm. Come on, I'm just saying. And we bring honor to God by, by using our hands to bring honor to God. Number three, write this one down. We, we worship God. Here's what we do in a corporate setting by lifting our hands. Now, this is one that sometimes can be a little uncomfortable for some of us. Like we're okay with maybe clapping our hands or, or standing a little bit, but man, why do we, why do we lift our hands? Some of you are like, oh, it's one of those churches, one of those hand raising churches. In fact, there's a Christian comedian, a guy named Tim, Tim Hawkins, that talks about this. You may have seen it before. He talked about the different styles of lifting your hand. Like some of you, you're not really quite ready to quite lift your hand yet, so you just, you just carry the TV. You just carry the TV. Anybody see anything like that? You know? And then sometimes you move on up just a little bit. It's like, hold my baby, hold my baby, hold my baby, right? And then some of y'all, man, you're like, you, know, you get a little bit more, and you're like, touchdown, you know, touchdown. And sometimes it's like, Mufasa. Some of you ladies are like, wash the window. Wash the windows. Oh, wash the windows. And all that, that, that is kind of funny. But you know what? The scripture actually teaches us that we lift our hands in worship to God. And I know that this is one that sometimes is a little controversial. So I just didn't just bring you one scripture. I brought you a whole bunch. Look at this. In Psalm 63 and verse 4, it says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. In your name, I will what? I will lift up my hands. Psalm 134 and verse 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Lamentation 341 says, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. First Timothy 2 and verse 8 says that God wants all men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. This is a way of expressing our honor and our love and our worship to God. It's almost like reaching out to God, like a child reaching up to their father. We reach up to our father in a desire to connect with him on a deeper and a more intimate way. What do we do? Man, we worship God with our mouth. We worship God with our posture. We worship God with our hands. Now, some of you are saying, well, all right, that sounds good, but why do we do this? Like, I mean, it's a little weird, okay? You're going to lift your hands, you clap, you shout, and you're doing this weird stuff. Why in the world do we, do we do this? Well, let's talk about it for just a minute. In fact, I want to give you three reasons. Three reasons why we worship in this way. The first one is this, is because God asks for it. If nothing else, this would be enough. How many know if God asks for us to do something, that ought to be what we do. In fact, this is what Jesus taught when he, when he taught about the commandments. You know what he said the greatest commandment was? He said, to love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And then, and then what did he say? He said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. I want you to notice that word. A lot of times we don't, we don't think of worship as a command. We think of it more as a voluntary thing. Like, I'm going to worship if I feel like it or if I, my mood's just right or the music's just right or everything's going good in my life. But actually, Jesus says to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength to worship me was actually a command that God has given us. That it's not just something that we do if we want to. It's actually something that all Christians are commanded, required to do. This is something that God asks from us. And here's the deal, guys. You're all going to worship, whether you know it or not. The question is not whether you're going to worship. The question is whether you're going to worship now or whether you're going to worship later. In fact, this is what the scripture says in the, in the book of in Philippians 2 and verse 11. Paul says, for at the name of Jesus, what does it say? Every knee 
will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There's going to come a day, guys, when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, where every person who has ever lived is going to worship God with their mouth and with their posture. Every person who has ever walked this earth is one day going to worship God. The question is not whether you're going to worship God. The question is, are you going to worship him then when you have to? Are you going to worship him now when you get to make a choice to do what God has called us and commanded us to do? Come on. And so we worship God because this is what he has asked us and commanded us to do. Number two, let it be, write this one down. We worship God because God deserves it. How many would say today that Jesus deserves all our worship? That's what this season is all about. What God has done for us through his son. And I could name a million reasons that he deserves our worship. I don't have time for all of that. Just say amen for that, right? But I will focus on one. Why, do we, why does he deserve it? He deserves it because what he's done. What he's done in our lives. What he's done in your life. I mean, you just think about today what God has done for you. Think about where you were. If you're a follower of Jesus, think about where you were before Jesus and where God has brought you, what he has done in your life. I'm telling you, he deserves your worship. And that's what worship is. It's a response. It's a reaction. How many know when something good happens in your life, you react, don't you? And if it's really good, man, you, re, you react in a very expressive way. I mean, just if, you, if the boss calls you in on Monday and tells you you're getting a big raise or a big Christmas bonus, how many of you know you're going to clap your hands? You're going to get excited. You're going to say something. You're going to do something. You're going to react in a big emotional way, right? Because that happened in your life. You went out to the, if you went out to the mailbox and suddenly you got a check for $5,000 in the mail you weren't expecting, how many would say you'd probably shout a little bit, right? Might even do a little dance, a little happy dance in the, right there in the driveway, right? And here's the deal when we worship the reason that we express ourselves in this way is because God has done so much for us like we can't help but respond and react to all that he is and all that he has done in fact this is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 look what he says and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God why because of all that he has done For you, let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that we find that is acceptable. For this is truly the way to worship him. Here's Here's what Paul says. Here's how we worship him. We respond to what he has done for us. He deserves our worship. And the more he has done for you, the more it's gonna flow out in the expressions of the way that you honor and worship him in a corporate setting. In fact, people who don't know God, they don't understand People who don't have relationship with him, they might come to a church and they hear a sermon like this or they see people raising their hands or clapping or getting a little bit excited in the presence of God. They don't understand. The reason they don't understand is because they haven't yet experienced what God has done for us. But the more you experience what God has done for you, the more you are grateful for that, the more it's going to flow out. In your worship, in fact, it reminds me of the woman who came to Jesus and she was a prostitute and she came to him and she opened up a jar of expensive perfume and poured it out upon his, upon his feet. And people around him said, man, around her said, that's extravagant and that's weird. And why would you do that? And that costs too much and all of that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Here's the reason she was so extravagant in expressing her love for me is that those who have been forgiven much, they are the people who love much. And the more you've been forgiven and the more God's done for your life, the more the, the expression of love is going to flow out in the presence of God. Why do we worship God? We worship him because he asked for it. He commanded it. 
We worship God because he deserves it. Number three, write this one down. Letter C, I'm getting all mixed up with the numbers and letters and outline and all that stuff. Letter C, write this one down. Why do we worship God? Why do we express ourselves in this way? Because it's your job. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell them, you got one job. You had one job. And yet, this is the one job. This is the one reason that God placed us on this earth. He placed us here to worship him. In fact, this is what the scripture says about it in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. It says, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You are chosen. Guess what? You are chosen by God. And you know why you have been chosen by God? Well, it says it right here in the very next part of that verse. He says, you were chosen. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Get light. Guess what, guys? You got one job. You were chosen. You were put on this earth for this one purpose, for this one reason, that you would be a people who would declare the praises of God who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous lights. Some, go, some people go, I don't know what my, what my job is. I don't know what my purpose is here on this earth. Well, first of all, if you don't know what your purpose is on here, here on this earth, that's why we do the, the Life Track class and we encourage you, get in there because we're going to teach you about knowing your purpose in life and knowing the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the stuff that God has, has uh, created you to do. But let me just give you a little clue. All that stuff, you're going to find out what your spiritual gifts and all that stuff, but they really were all given to you for this one purpose. And the one purpose would be that you would, that you would use your life to bring honor, to bring praise, to use your mouth, to use your posture, to use your hands, to use every part of your life to, to bring honor, to declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Here's the deal, guys. You ready for this? Man, here's the, here's the bottom line here today. Worship is simply this. It's just practice for heaven. You know what? When we get to heaven, you know what we're going to do? We're going to worship. You know what we're going to do? We're going we're to declare God's praises with our mouth. We're going to speak, and we're going to sing, and we're going to shout, and we're going to dance, and we're going to kneel, and we're going to stand in awe in the presence of God, and we're going to play instruments and clap our hands and lift our hands. We're, gonna, we're, we're just practicing here on earth for what it's going to be like in heaven. Let me just tell you something. If you don't like worship, you ain't going to like heaven because that's what it's going to be. In fact, look what the scripture says about it in Revelation. Man, I love this. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb for what? For ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, for all of eternity. And I want you to notice that it says, Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, everyone. You know what, I, man? I've been in some pretty powerful, powerful settings. I've been in some church services where there were hundreds of people. I've been in some concerts where there were thousands of people. I've been in some stadiums that were just filled with thousands of people worshiping God. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. But I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven, when every man and woman and boy and girl that has ever lived on this planet, not only that, are going to combine together with every creature that has ever been created and all are going to spend eternity forever and ever and ever singing glory and honor and praise and worship to God. Man, I'm telling you, we get to heaven, we're going to party like it's 1999. Come on. This is what it's all about. And this is the reason that God placed us on this planet. 
that we would worship. What is worship? Worship is doing something. What do we do when we worship in a corporate setting? We worship him with our hands. We worship him with our mouth. We worship him with our posture by bowing and kneeling and standing and dancing and singing and shouting. And we do it because God deserves it because he's asked us to. He's called us to. This is what he created us to do, not just here on this earth, but forever and ever.